we have forgot to feed the dogs in the morning probably at least 20 times since she's been here for six weeks. Like, I'm not even kidding you. They get fed at night, but the amount of times that we've both been like, did the dogs get fed? It, it's pretty ridiculous. Also, my cat in my living room. So got that going for me. <laughs> um, she's rebelling because she's not being fed. Oh, no. Or she's pooping so the dogs can eat it. One or the other. It's like survival mode. This house. Everyone's hungry. Everyone's pooping their pants. Um, I just stopped pissing my pants, so I got that going for me. <laughs> That's positive. Um, just go try and jump on a trampoline if you want to learn yeah, how to kiss your pants again. not going to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my house literally is not my house right now. If you would have told me a month ago even that you can't manage both at 100%, I'd have been like, I can. Like, I was really full of myself, and I'm just not as good as I thought I was. I'm not. We are wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives, and at the end of the day, we are all moms. All at the same time and never in the same order. <laughs> this is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. Welcome to Hi, My Name is Mom. I am really excited about today's episode, and I know Jen is too, because we have only been two out of three for a very long while. It feels like forever. And today we welcome Kayla back. Yay! And a fourth member of the tribe who's sitting That's right. We're not going to share this video because there are a lot of boobs out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Kayla had a baby during the height of coronavirus. Kayla, was the last time you were on when we talked to Sammy about giving birth during a pandemic? Yes, that was my last podcast. That was it. So you have been nesting with your baby girl. So I think first and foremost, you should introduce this newest member of our family. Uh, This is Loxley Ray Kenny. She was born April 28th, Mm, a perfect five pounds, 13 ounces and 18 and a half inches long. And she's, uh, she's now just over seven pounds at six weeks old. Today is her six week mark. So she's perfect. Do you want to fill us in? So, uh, you know, you talked about wondering what it was going to be like to give birth during the <laughs> pandemic. But so what happened? What? Yeah. How was it different? What, what happened? It was good, bad, ugly. Well, I'm I will say the pandemic, once you're there, that didn't really, other than I had to do the COVID testing and it feels like they poke your brain mm-hmm. and it is like awful. Um, I'm negative, by the way. So are you. Mm-hmm. We've all been tested. That's why we're, <laughs> and we've all been quarantined. That's why yeah. we're sitting by each other. But the once you're in the room, the whole COVID thing is not even on your mind. Um, but it was 37 hours of labor. I thought I was going to have to have a C-section, but I because I switched um, medications and everything was looking good, I was able to deliver uh, vaginally, which I was very happy about. Now I say I'm happy about that because I'm recovered. But uh, at the time, <laughs> I was not. It is so much different than I thought it was going to be. First, okay, so set the baseline of expectations. What did you think it was going to be? I knew it was going to be painful. But in my mind, I'm not kidding you. Like, I, you guys can totally make fun of me. Everybody listening can make fun of me. I was thinking in my head, so many people give birth. It is not going to be, like, I can do it. I do a lot. Of, like, I totally, like, had an ego thinking that I was going to be this birth champ that's like, I'm going to get another girl. <laughs> like, I'm not going to feel it. It's it's going to be okay. Like I, I'm good. I'm good. Like I've broken 13 bones in my life. Oh my I've gosh. had 
several surgeries. I'm clumsy and I get injured quite often. And you've experienced pain. Clearly. Yeah, I've experienced pain. And so like, I was thinking I can, this is going to be fine. Get an epidural. No problem. Well, my epidural wore off and it was excruciating. Okay. I cried. I told them to cut it out of me. I told Jonathan to it. Um, let's see. I kicked him out of the room at one point. That did happen. Oh, yeah, I did. Do I you think. want to tell us why? I'm curious. Now. I forget. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forget. I know that he said something in it at the time. It hurt my feelings. And I said, go take a walk, get out of my face. Just go take a walk go take a walk. And I just kept saying that. And he's like, babe, I'm sorry. I wasn't like, go, go take a walk, go take a walk, get out, go take a walk. And I just kept saying, that. let's see, I passed out. I threw up. Um, it was, what, how many centimeters were you when your epidural wore off? When my epidural wore off, I was crowning. Oh God. And so no, I, good, right. Isn't, I felt, that good? Isn't that when you're supposed to, yeah. I, yeah. but I was only nine centimeters. That's why I pushed for an hour and 45 minutes. Um, yeah. Were you just utterly exhausted by that point? That's yeah, a long time to labor. Food. There's no food. You're going off of ice chips. And they tried to bring me chicken broth and it was the most disgusting. Like powder chicken broth. It, it, it tasted like melted, like really cheap butter that started to get cold again. It had a lot of salt. Like oily water. Yeah. yeah, and I took a drink and I'm like, nope, ain't happening. Yep. The contractions are the worst. I forget what the term is, but they put one of those balloons in me that make you dilate. Mm. Someone's going to know the medical term. Pushes I, you to dilate. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, it's like a balloon that they, that was probably the worst pain of the whole thing. If I did it again, I would say, I want to dilate slower. I don't care if I'm in labor longer. That was the most terrible feeling that I've ever had. That was worse than pushing. So I remember, I actually thought that your labor was going to go quicker. I don't know why I thought that. Oh, There's I did No too. real. <laughs> so I was starting to ask Jonathan the next morning, probably 15 hours in, I started to be like, all right, we have to be having a baby now. We got to be, a, we got to be at baby time. Nope. I just could not. So yeah. I will say when it came time to actually push, I didn't expect to feel it in your butt as much as you do. It just feels like you're taking a massive, very painful poop. Like, to, I'm going to be real. Like yeah. that is, and I didn't expect that. I felt like it was going to feel more like my hoo-ha is ripping, which it did. Um, but so did it feel after she came out? Did it feel like the relief of a massive poop? <laughs> well, it did. But then they were stitching me up. And so it's like the only relief I had was that she was on my chest. Yeah, you did have relief. But on she um, didn't cry. And so they took her off of me right after and she wasn't being that responsive. And it took them about 10 minutes to like get her responsive. And so that panic, I feel like I don't really remember anything after that. I just know that I was in like this blur of panic. And I honestly don't remember anything in the delivery room after she was born until I was in the post delivery room. I asked you the other day, did I talk to you after I gave birth? Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, you FaceTimed us. And I'm like, I don't remember yeah. Yeah, I mean, from our perspective, Jen and I were like, okay, we don't need constant updates, but Kayla was a high-risk pregnancy, and we were worried about her, and we were worried about the baby, and we just wanted to know that everybody was alive, because that was her birth plan, don't die. I know on her side, she was telling her husband, be present. And on our side, we're like, okay, it has been 17 hours. I'm about to drive to the hospital and just be like, Raise your hand if you're alive. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> well, so what's so funny is the whole time I was in there, I told him, I was like, 
update people. Don't be on your phone the whole time. Because the first, when we first got in the room, the doctor is literally in there talking to me and he's on his phone, like texting. And I was like, put your phone down until they walk out. And so uh, he did that, but then apparently he took it a little too seriously because I saw the text threads after. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was like one word. So there's he no way he was begging, begging he was for like, updates and he'd be like progressing or yeah. begging for updates to be like, here. No, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> not okay. You know, hopefully for baby number two. Um, hi. Well, hopefully we'll be able to be in the waiting room for baby number oh two. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No kidding. Well, we, I, I, I was, I felt sick to my stomach. The next, when I woke up and I didn't have an update, I I was hoping that no news was good news, but I have never been so nervous for someone else's birth. I don't think, I mean, I was like, John, just give us something. And then Jen took action. She, she actually called Kayla's sister. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think my, my parents and my sisters were in the same boat. They were like, what is, they were getting a little bit different updates, a little bit more real, like fuller updates, yeah. but um, she did say, she's like, okay, baby should be here within the hour. And that was like 9 a.m. or something. Uh-huh. So th- when I, f- when I heard that, I think we all were like, okay, we can breathe a little bit. Yeah. And then it was definitely not within the hour. Yeah. The pushing feels good. It feels like you're getting relief when you yeah. push, but I think I told the nurse, I was very inappropriate during, no, I'm not like someone who cusses. And so I wasn't cussing at all and like screaming and like all of that kind of stuff. It was more like, I feel like I'm prairie dog in it. (laughs) 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 Did Jonathan stay by your shoulder? He did not look at all. He he didn't look at all. He was by my shoulder the whole time. So he didn't catch her. No. Oh heck no. He didn't even, (laughs) he wasn't even able to cut the cord. Oh, because she, because they were having trouble getting her to respond. Yeah. He did start to complain about an hour into me pushing. He's like, my arm's getting so because he was holding my leg. And he's like, my arm's getting sore. I can't hold your leg anymore. I was like, are you kidding me? Hold my leg. <laughs> oh, does your, is your arm getting tired, babe? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, like, <laughs> you know, like 15 times and we'll call it even. <laughs> and then so they brought this bar in that had a rope on it. And so, yeah. And so I played tug of war while I was pushing. Oh, like, cool. It was... Really I would good. probably enjoy that. If they yeah. could give me a game, like if I was supposed to achieve some kind of a goal. Yeah, that's like like for baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, Ooh, I'm going to win this tug of war. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it was a lot easier. But I will say the nurse that uh, was in the room holding my other leg, she counted to 10 for an hour and a half every time I pushed. So it was 10 seconds on, 10 seconds off with pushing. I love her and I cannot remember her name for that. I think it's either Amanda I don't know, or Stephanie. I don't remember. Well, it's Tammy. You were my delivery nurse. You were awesome. And I know you were probably so annoyed because all I heard was 10, 9. And then she stopped counting one time. I'm like, can you please count? I need to know. So So, did they put the baby on your chest immediately and then they took her to work on her? They put her on my chest immediately and I couldn't even tell you how long, if it was five seconds or if it was five minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have have no idea how long she was on my chest. Did she try to like root and latch right away? She did try to root. I remember that, like her face doing that and I don't remember anything else but I know that the nurse was like oh she's rooting and I was like yay <laughs> but, and then did they did they work on her there or did she have to go to the NICU or did she stay with no, you the whole time they worked on her in the room and then once they got a whale they gave her back to me to try to get her to latch 
she still hadn't been cleaned up or anything. She never had to leave the room until we got to the post um, delivery room. When I had Bash, he had issues when he was born too. So they didn't even put him right on my chest. His oxygen levels weren't high enough. They were working on him kind of next to me. I remember nothing about what was going on with my body as they were like cleaning out my uterus and sewing me up. All I remember is looking at the baby and watching them put a mask on him and the oxygen levels and all of that stuff. And I just literally don't remember anything else about what was going on with me. That's kind of exactly where I am. I know they were stitching me up. I know that when they took her, I don't know how long it was. Jonathan might, actually, he probably doesn't because he was pretty tired and exhausted and in the moment as well. But they did, we did request that she not leave our room. And so they had like everything set up and he showed me a picture that I'm so glad I didn't know this was going on at the time because I probably would have been a little more worried. But there was like 20 people all working around her trying to do different things. But because it's scary. Childbirth is scary. There is a reason that guys don't give childbirth. We literally would not have a mass population. (laughs) (laughs) They just wouldn't be tough enough. A woman's body is just so incredible what it can do and what it can bounce back from. Whether it's a C-section or a vaginal delivery, like it is It is trauma. Can you imagine if you told a man that the hole at the end of his penis was going to have to open up and push a baby out? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) gosh. (laughs) Or even even like an orange or a lime. I mean, it could be like a comparable size, you know, great. They'd be like, oh, no. Well, yeah, it'd be like passing a kidney stone even, right? Kidney stone. Uh, like, I will say I was lucky she was petite. And the doctor even said, you know, she's small, so we are going to try to deliver vaginally. But I probably would not have even attempted if it was like an eight or nine pound baby. Mm-hmm. Just with how low she was and the sciatic pain that I was having. No way. Well, and your other health issues, I think that it would have been a much higher risk for you had she been a big baby. Oh, victory with my other health issues. I had my six-week checkup yesterday, and I am off all injections. Nice. So after 400 and some shots, I am done. Oh, my gosh. This morning, I woke up, and I was like, I don't have to shoot myself. This is amazing. That's amazing. That's awesome. You got the baby home really quick. I brought food the first night, and then you guys were home almost immediately. I will say I, I was completely out of it. Most of the time we were in the hospital and I was also just in this bliss whole thing. John was like, we're going home. I'm like, okay. But my sister was at home going to help us. And she is like a baby expert, knows things. And as long as my health seemed stable, which it did, and her health seemed stable, we were just like, there's no reason for us to stay here. We're willing to come back if we need to, but we have all the resources we needed at home. So we did go home. We got there Sunday night at 10 p.m., delivered Tuesday at 11.30 a.m., and we left at 5.30 p.m. on Wednesday. So we were there just a little over 24 hours after she was born. So how was your first experience, like your first night, home alone with no nurses? I mean, I know your sister was here. Okay, so I'm really spoiled because we were so exhausted from not sleeping, like, at all in the hospital. And so when we got home, I fed her. We were having some latching issues. 
And so my sister, I'm so grateful. She actually stayed in our bedroom with us and sat and rocked her and held her and let me sleep for like six hours the first night because she wasn't waking up to eat. And my sister just told me just go to sleep. Or I think six hours might be an exaggeration. It was probably more like three or four. But But still, like I'll wake you up when she wakes up and wants to eat. And she sat in the room and just held her and let Jonathan and I get some sleep. And so we are very fortunate that we had family to help. And she did that the second night as well. Didn't your family have to quarantine though beforehand? So that's a little bit of a different hurdle. It was crazy because they live seven hours away and they literally like drove down here with barely any gas left in their tank because they didn't even stop for gas, which you can, you can make it here from Ohio with a tank of gas, but like you are pushing it. And so they were great. They quarantined, they walked in, they changed their clothes, jumped in the shower. And what was it? Tell us about the experience for John's mom being in California. How was that? She flew out here. We dropped a car off for her to use. And she went and got like Costco and enough food for two weeks. And she quarantined herself in an Airbnb for um, two weeks before she came here. And then she went and got the COVID test and it was negative. And then we let her stay here. How has John embraced Mm. like what the good, bad and the ugly? What's all of his? He is seriously the most changed personality wise that I I never expected him to be this much of a puddle. Like he is just a mush bag in the, in the sweetest way. <laughs> he like talks to her and sings to her. And anybody that knows my husband knows that he is not the most affectionate, like snuggly guy, but he, she has just completely captured him. He's amazing dad. He finally is changing diapers. That was probably Yay. the biggest hurdle. I think we, we were, were really pressuring him. We were yeah. threatening to out him publicly. Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to public shame him. You know, he got mad when I was like, when I sent uh, you guys a text, like guys, I need some help. He hasn't changed. It's been three weeks and he hasn't changed the diaper. The first transition was I will change the dirty one. You put the clean one back on. And then it he was. wanted to change the dirty no, one? No, I changed oh, oh, the dirty oh, okay. one. And he just has to put the clean one back on. And then it was, you do the pee diapers. And then he still isn't doing the horrible blowouts. But there was one time when I was pumping and she fell asleep after she was done nursing. And I said, take her changer. And he's like, nope, it's too dirty. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I was like, if you make me detach these pumps and like leak out everywhere to go change her because you won't do it. I'm going to be so mad at you. Like I was seriously fuming because you're already like sore when you're pumping and like your emotions are high. And I'm just like, just change our daughter's diaper. And he didn't do it. He walked out of the bathroom. And so I took my boob and I squirted him like so good. (laughs) (laughs) See, my husband would have thought that was like foreplay. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like he's doing it now. And you know what? There will come a time when you are not there and he will have to, you're either going to come home and she's just going to have like some kind of a like towel wrapped around the blowout. Yeah. Or he's going to just have to handle it. So I just uh, messaged him this morning, my schedule of like what I'm wanting to do with like fitness classes Mm -hmm. at the studio I go to like, and there's, there's limited spaces. It's not even like fully open. Only five people are allowed to work out. So I'm like, this is the classes that I would like to go to. And I'm talking like one class a week. I need you to arrange your schedule around this. And he's like, 
I'm going to have her for three hours. I'm like, you got this. <laughs> I think a lot of dads feel that way where the babies are so tiny, especially with her. She's tiny. And mm -hmm. I, I've seen a lot of dads and even my dad was like this where he, he just was so afraid he was going to break them. And then guys are bigger anyway, and they're holding this tiny person. So I get the intimidation factor of that. But I, I think, think the more you, ha you, you kind of go like, here she is, then that time wh where he doesn't have somebody else to do something, he's going to get comfortable really fast. And he's going to love that he's that comfortable. Well, she adores him. And it's funny, I didn't realize how interactive like newborns are in the first few weeks. I'm just like, oh, all they do is eat and sleep. But it's crazy how much you know them and like know what they want and know what their mm. needs are. It's from the hi. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously have always been a very maternal person and you have wanted kids forever. So you said that the birth was, you, you thought you knew what to expect. You didn't. So no, what about having a newborn? You does, is it what you expected? No, it's so much better. I literally want to sell our house, be a one income family and just keep having babies. <laughs> uh, hi. Someone asked Jonathan the other day, uh, who has received the least amount of attention since Loxley's been born? And he's like, uh, her businesses like and I'm like it's so true like yeah I feel bad for customers who have been so patient just because I've been in this newborn bliss that when I do have a second I'm like I'm gonna take a shower instead of get back to all my emails the hard part is is we've been in quarantine with all these COVID shutdowns and so people that have normally uh, worked for me and helped things out the company hasn't really been able to afford to keep people on right now because there's no businesses we've had to refund quite a bit um the past few months well you bring up a good point because for all moms self-care is so undervalued mm -hmm. but so incredibly important but for new moms especially taking a minute to like take a bath without her or mm -hmm. a shower or just to sit and you know meditate or do a little bit of yoga or something that helps your body and mind it's it is so pivotal in keeping a healthy forward moving mindset you know yeah. and I'm glad you're seeing that now I, I normally don't do my makeup my hair's in a messy bun all the time and I know that that's probably not the healthiest daily upkeep for me uh we're all doing that by the way not just the new moms right now <laughs> yes right now but I'm just saying like for me like mentally that's not a place that I'm comfortable with mm -hmm. and so I want to find a balance where I'm like okay I'm gonna take 10 minutes and put some mascara on and brush my hair because I feel better myself when I do that even when you text it I'm coming over I'm like I'm gonna brush my hair it does it makes you feel better like for for me it humanizes it makes you feel like you you're still you yeah um because that's something that i've always enjoyed doing i love hair and makeup and just kind of taking care of myself and my face and and all of that and so i think i need to find a balance where i can still feel like me but i know i'm in a, a new mom fog like i didn't care at all and i was posting pictures like no makeup just messy bun because you're just so joyful you don't none of that stuff matters like when you're just holding this little bundle of love. Corey, she's been like staring at the screen hard. Hi, baby. Look how cute she is. She's so cute. I was just going to tell Kayla, she might be too hot now. I'm sitting here sweating. Oh, you are? Um, well, your hormones, I know. Oh my God, yeah. I smell like rotten onions. I can't smell you. Is it? I always felt like I smelled after I had oh, babies. I don't feel like I smell. I know I smell. 
That's normal. You have to sweat out all the extra water and then you're just, I don't know. There's so many weird, there's, are you, are you having, are you sweating through your sheets at night? That always oh, happened. You have that? Oh yeah. Oh I God. sweat terribly. So talking about just how good it feels to take a few minutes for yourself and put on makeup and, you know, put, we've been talking about that even with quarantine, how, how you're like, oh, every once in a while I have to put on real pants for yeah. myself. And I found that those early newborn weeks could be really isolating. And part of it's purposeful where you just want to hole up and kind of cocoon them. But then there's this whole other level right now, obviously, with sort of forced isolation. And you can't necessarily take her out and about in the way that you normally would. So obviously, we know that you're beyond elated about this baby girl. That aside, the hormones and the life change that you go through after you have a baby can be really intense. And like you said earlier... You're supposed to just be happy, blissful, but the fact of the matter is a lot of people aren't. Um, I know you've mentioned kind of that feeling of like, where's your worth? Um, so how has that emotional ride been for you? It's definitely been emotional. I didn't expect to feel so lonely. I thought I would feel so filled up with her that nothing else would matter, which you do have that feeling, but there are just these like really dark thoughts that go through your mind when you're that isolated with a child and you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one that can do this. But at the same time, you kind of feel worthless in every other aspect because all of a sudden yeah, I, I'm not working. I, I have people making me dinners and like cleaning my house. And like, it's just all these things that I used to identify myself are gone. And I have this new thing that I'm doing that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm figuring it out as I go. For me, it kind of took me to just like a weird, lonely, dark place um, that I had to speak out loud and share with friends the dark thoughts and feelings. And I shared with my husband um, just so that I recognize it and I don't stay there. Like you're touching on, there's a huge difference, obviously, between postpartum baby blues, which I think almost every woman experiences in some mm -hmm. varying capacity, and true postpartum depression, which is a longer, much more intense version of kind of what you're describing. Yeah. For you, have those feelings and this the sort of surges of these little depression moments, have they kind of have they kind of ceased or do you still feel them? No, I still feel them. I was kind of struggling with it this morning, actually. And I feel like it comes in bouts. Like it's not a constant feeling that I'm having, but it's definitely something that will probably occur once or twice a week. And I immediately speak it out loud. That way I can say this feeling is not true. This feeling is not true. And for me, that's helped a lot. That's just techniques that I learned in therapy years ago. What makes me sad about the new mother life, because it's so wonderful, I can't imagine, especially for young moms who haven't had time to work out mentally how to handle feelings. Like, I, I'm not saying young moms can't do that, but I'm first just saying first-time yeah. moms that don't know if it's a real feeling or if it is the postpartum thing. And I think because I've had such a strong team around me to help say, make sure you watch this, make sure you watch this. Whenever those, those insecurities and those just like really negative thoughts come about, I, I'm like, okay, recognize it, recognize it. It doesn't change how you feel. Cause I still feel lonely. I still, but saying that it's false out loud does help me to not linger farther down that road. It helped me. I know I asked you this at one point in time, and I think for all of our listeners, it's probably really important, but um, we've been at multiple different pediatric groups just from living in, you know, four different states. And one of the things that was 
a constant up until this year with my kids was every time I would take one of my newborns into the pediatrician, they would look at me and say, mom, how are you doing? Talk to me about your emotions or everything good. Are you feeling blue or you feel, you know, and, and I thought that was really important to focus on in a well child visit, the well being of the mom as well, because you're like one unit right now, in a sense with Evelyn, it was the first time in my um, experience as a mother that no one asked me, that no one's asked me that Um, I feel like I had to fill out a survey well the weird thing is is uh, we hated our Mm post-care room the staff and like how how much you're shamed you feel like a failure walking out of the hospital our delivery and labor team was amazing and then the post-care room I felt so shamed with so many different things and just decisions I was making as a parent that I feel was best for her like man, you feel like a failure. And then they come in right before you leave. And they're like, do you feel depressed? And I'm like, well, now I do. You've told me how much of a failure I am for the past 12 hours. Were they telling you, was it about nursing or what were they telling you that were, you were fail? What were they making you feel like a failure about? So we had this one nurse in particular that came in and she said, oh, I'm going to take her back for a bath. And I said, no, my husband and I would like to give her her first bath. She's not to leave the room, not to leave the nursery. And then she said, oh, her temperature's cold. We need to take her to the nursery and lay her on a heating on a heating pad. And I said, can you bring a heating blanket in here? I really don't want her leaving the room. And I fell asleep. And when I woke up and Jonathan went, went out and when I woke up, she was gone and they took her to the nursery and put her on a heating pad. And when I called the nurse, they were like, oh, she was really cold. She And so I felt like I was just disregarded. And I was like, okay, well, please bring her back and just bring a heated blanket or I can do skin to skin or my husband can do skin to skin. And it was just a frustrating thing to feel like you're just not listened to. But I I was also trying not to be the crazy mom that is telling the hospital staff, oh, don't do what's best for my baby. And they said that she was only going to be gone for 15 minutes and she was gone for 40 minutes. So when they finally brought her back, that's when the nurse wanted to give her a bath. And I said, no, I'll wipe her down, but I don't want her going back there. And just because there's no medical reason for them to give her a bath. And she failed her hearing test the first time. She got 91% in one ear and 100% in the other. And the nurse looked at me and said, well, if you would have let me give her a bath, she probably would have passed. It's just her ears not cleaned out. Like, I didn't say anything. I was just like, oh, well, that's knowledge you've probably gained on the job. And I just, like, felt like I needed to boost her ego. And she's like, yeah, I gained on the job. And 30 years ago, I didn't need any of this meds. I pushed out three kids, all natural. And, like, she was just, like, boasting on herself and I just felt like it was really insensitive and not the time it was just constant like well you had an epidural that's why she's tired it was constant like shaming and it it, lame that's really bad and you know I know all of us all three of us feel like we started this podcast so that we could help be a voice in a tribe for other moms who may not have girlfriends or sisters or Mm -hmm. anything that they can bounce ideas, you know, for their own deliveries and and motherhood experiences off of. But can you imagine like being that first time mom in the hospital and not knowing that you have the right to say the things that as like an instinctual protective, like nature guides you, you know, to, to feel like you're shamed and you are truly doing something wrong because at the very least you have such a good foundation of people in your life that can say you're right, you're in the right and she's in the wrong. 
And further to that, I think you actually owe the hospital a a postpartum follow-up survey to say, let me tell you about my experience. And I want to make sure that this is addressed because you don't want other moms who don't have the same kind of support system to have those interactions. That don't know they can speak up. Yeah, to leave going to wait. That's awful. The lactation consultant, she made a couple comments like, well, if you know when you are breastfeeding, sometimes implants get in the way with that because she didn't latch them. And I'm like, are you shaming me for getting implants? Like, really, lady? It was really frustrating. And that has nothing to do with a five-pound baby trying to latch. There's nothing to do. Latching and having an implant is nothing. And I had plenty of milk supply. In fact, they made me express out the excessive colostrum that was just dripping. So there was just like those little comments. Oh, that was a good poop. Um, I feel like people just felt the need to like make their power trip comments when we were in there. And I, I didn't let it get to me, but Jonathan, who usually never speaks up like in public situations, he's not a confrontational person Mm -hmm. in public. He was about ready to like throat punch a couple of the nurses, just (laughs) how they were talking to me. Um, good for him. (laughs) I know. And that's why he was like, I just wanted to leave. He's like, they were just treating you like crap. And he's like, you have been this person who has been maternal your entire life waiting to be a mom. And then you get shamed like that. As soon as you have a child, he was like, I wanted to get you out of there. He's like, you had care at home that was waiting for you. So that's too bad. I hate, I hate that you had that experience. I mean, I feel like I definitely, you know, I've given birth in two different hospitals and had a variety of nurses and it's just like anything, right? There's like people who can make the experience just the most magical thing and make you feel like you're doing everything right. Pediatricians can be the same way, which is why hot apples in every industry. Yeah. yeah. And we've had, we've had so many different pediatricians cause we've moved around so much and some make you feel empowered and capable and others make you feel like you can't do anything right. And unfortunately in that experience, you didn't really have a choice to go like, hi, um, I'd like to go somewhere else for this experience, but I'm glad you stood up for what you wanted to do and you had educated yourself to know what your options were. And I'm sorry that I, I do think Jen's right. I think it's worth going like, Hey, I had such a lovely experience during labor and delivery, but I think, you know, there's some room for improvement in the postpartum care. Well, and that was a big thing is she was so little and I felt very strongly about what type of care she was going to get in the hospital. And I just told them, you know, we have an appointment with our pediatrician like tomorrow and I would rather get on a schedule and make out a health plan with them versus just doing routine hospital stuff that every baby gets. I want to get an individualized plan that works for her that they weren't okay with that, but that's okay. Well, we'll continue to check in on you about your mental health state. Can, it can shift way after you think it would. I mean, the baby blues thing is usually shortly after giving birth, but because I just done feeding and I'm like, oh, I'm in this like, oh, I feel Mm -hmm. great. Like I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm wonderful. I remember after having Rad, I cried every single day out of happiness, out of sadness. And then I had really, really strong um, postpartum anxiety, which I think, Jen, you had too. I think we've talked about this. Yes. Which I didn't really know was a thing. And I think this is worth an entire podcast, honestly. We should really dive into that deeper because I, there is this pressure to be like, well, you have this baby. What, is, what else do you need? I will say things. I, I like the word anxiety better than depression. Well, I think they're I two different like, things, though. Just, I just, feel like yeah. the anxiety is something that I really have. I get questions. When are you going to go back to work? And like, yes, there's a part of me that wants it. But the other part, I'm like, um, it's not really my focus You'll right now. Or, or yeah. it's like, just 
the little stuff, vacations, houses, scheduling. I've had a lot of people from out of state wanting to like plan like a visit to come stay here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love that, but I'm exhausted Mm -hmm. and I don't have it in me. And we've had someone at our house since she was born every week. We've had family staying with us. And so we have yet to have a full week of just us with our child. Yeah. Um, And we're just kind of ready for that right now. Having some family time. Yeah. Well, it's hard to carve that time out for yourself, especially when you're an overachiever and the way that you are. (laughs) It's incredibly hard to go, I'm going to create this bubble and I'm going to feel good about it. I know I was never really able to do that. And I'd always look back and go, why didn't I give myself more time? Why didn't I let myself off the hook? Why did I feel like I had to start getting back in shape and getting back to work? And it was never easy for me. Jonathan's been a great support. And he's like, you just had a baby. Calm down. It is hard when you don't feel like you have control over what your body looks like. And when you're pregnant, you're like, oh, there's a baby in me. That's okay. That's okay. But like afterwards, it's like, she's out. I got to get like, what body is this? I don't Mm -hmm. recognize it. (laughs) For our listeners who are pregnant... Is there anything that you would kind of go back now about during the pregnancy, giving birth, immediately postpartum? Is there anything you would go back and be like, here's what I would tell my three weeks, three months ago self? Um, I would tell myself to not expect to get back at things as quick as possible. Because I know that like I told you guys with the podcast, oh, I'll be fine the week after she's born. And then like I was off the radar for the past six weeks. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I only want to post on Instagram for how many of mom. Like, and I think I, if I could tell anybody anything, it's to allow yourself to be in love for as long as you need and like take time to just strictly be in love with your child. You're going to need more than you think, especially as a first time mom, you're, you know what to expect after the first one. Cause my next child, I'm going to be like, I'm taking eight weeks. Don't bother me. Don't expect anything from me. But like with her, I thought, Oh, I'll be able to get back to work two weeks after. Like I'll be fine. I wish I would have just told myself at the end of the pregnancy to not plan anything. Don't. And and I, and I did, I set up things for work where I'm coming back too soon. And like, I just don't have a desire to you do were, it. You called me, um, a couple months before you, this was right. This is before we gone into quarantine, but you called me to see if it was unrealistic to go on a vacation when she was like a week old or something. Right? <laughs> I, this is when we thought we had to have a C-section and I was planning on going to, uh, Florida for John's 40th when she was 10 weeks old. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, oh, that's probably not the best idea. Cause even now, like my mindset, taking her in a month, it was a lot just going to my parents' yeah, house for uh, oh, two days. Like, and it disrupts everything, any kind of routine that you found. And I'm a big believer in take your baby, incorporate your baby into your life. Don't have everything revolve around the baby, you know, and, and I think you're already doing that. I mean, Jen and I have talked about how we think it's awesome that you have in very safe ways. You're, you've been very aware. Yeah. yeah, But you, you've been for walks and yeah. yeah. There's a lot of moms who, I mean, quarantine aside, don't leave the house bubble for 12 weeks. And that's to me as dangerous to your mental state, you know, and your yeah. emotional state as it can be to a baby to be exposed, you know, during flu season or whatnot. We go on walks, like daily walks, like in this neighborhood. Yeah. And actually there's, um, I have a friend in the neighborhood who also has a baby and we go on walks every afternoon mm. together. And it's, and it's just good for my mental clarity to have someone to 
kind of push a stroller next to, even if we're only walking a half a mile and yeah. like trying to socialize and get out of the house. Taking the step out of the house, though, I feel is very important. Well, you know, the, the baby being enough is is not a thing because the babies need you. They can't talk to you. You can't talk to them about your feelings yet. You know, you in a way, there's nothing you want to do except stare at them. But then, (laughs) like you're doing right now. Um, But then there's also just that importance of human connection. How has your relationship with John been since having her? Have you guys been like ships in the night with not sleeping? Or do you feel like it's bonded you in a new way? Um, I definitely feel like it's bonded us in a new way. But then there are times where I feel kind of isolated in the marriage because I feel like he doesn't understand the intensity of the responsibility. Well, and there's things he can't do right now. Right. right. And so it's like, and then I feel guilty for like getting mad at him. And so I'll find myself texting him like, thank you so much for holding the house together and working and financially providing because I just get this huge sense of guilt that I'm not contributing. And then I'm like, well, wait, uh, this is your child too. I am I'm keeping your child alive right now. It's, it's a weird balance of in your marriage when you're figuring out the new groove of having a newborn. Um, Does John have Adrian's second book? Yeah. Okay. 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 I want to make sure he He, better start reading it. He needs to, he needs to finish the first book. He got to like week 35 and then like, I don't even know if he needs to, it picks up the second book. So I, I think most of our listeners know, but my husband is a parenting blogger and he has three best-selling parenting books out. One is about the journey to become a father. The other is about the first year of your baby's life. And the third is about toddler life. But um, the weird parents book, like honest to God takes him like, yeah moment by moment and like what you're dealing with and what the baby's going through and how he can be of service to you and you know to the family and it might really help him well and just the way that we've been talking about getting our kids educated I think that the more he feels like he knows what he's doing the more confident he's going to be about being hands-on I will say that when he has her Unless it's something that's detrimental to our health or safety, I just let him go to build that. Yeah, dads have that same instinct. It's that, you know, that that instinct to know what to do with your own kid. Um, I mean, when I when I was at your house, he was just holding her, cuddling her. She was just asleep with him. He he's very involved and very hands on. And for him, never, this is the first baby he's ever held under the age of like six months. And for her being so tiny, he just jumped in Mm. and stepped out of his comfort zone. Obviously, when you love something so much, it's just, it's so instinctual. The protective nature is so instinctual. Um, So, but for our marriage, I feel like it's learning... learning a new way to be intimate Mm -hmm. because, you know, for six weeks, there's zero intimacy. Like there was, there was about two weeks where I'm like, will you just make out with me? I need to feel like I am a woman and not just like a milkmaid. And we totally didn't even make out like at all. Like you're just like giving each other pecks and like small kisses. And that's a huge shift to go six weeks with no like sexual intimacy whatsoever. Um, that was kind of hard for us just because I was starting to feel unwanted and unloved and that wasn't the case, but I just, it, it's part of the shift of definitely literally driving to your house. I was, when I was sitting in the driveway, I was on the phone with my friend, Robin, who's a mom of two and they're the same ages as Mason and Evelyn. And I was complaining to her about the fact that co-sleeping has destroyed my Adrian's life. And then I was admitting that in actuality, it's like, it's been really good for us, except trying to like have those makeout moments and those sort of like, okay, I have a, I have a parenting question because John and I were like (laughs) laughing slash debating over this yesterday. 
um, because I just had my six week checkup and I had the clear to go. And we were laughing because she co-sleeps. And so my question is, do you have sex while the kid's in the bed? Girl, that's exactly what Robin and I were just talking like, about. And how common is I, that? I, it's Everyone does it, I think. Most people do it. Robin and her wife do it. Me and Adrian do it. I don't know if Corey and Ty do it. Have you ever had sex <laughs> with your baby in the bed? Well, we didn't co-sleep. So I don't think that he was ever in the bed, but definitely in a bassinet by the bed. The same yeah. room. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now I don't feel I dirty. It's a mom, it's a weird mom guilt thing. You're like, wait a second, this is this is kind of bad. But you realize everybody yeah. have a story like that and you know you gotta yeah, do what you gotta we do we were like chatting we we're like so how is this gonna like work you like, get real good at being quiet well yeah and like <laughs> it's not gonna be like this athletic event so <laughs> quiet quickies yeah um, do you have any other questions for jen and i I think for me, just learning the curve of breastfeeding, that's been a challenge in talking about it before actually going and experiencing it. I did not think it would be as challenging as it was. So I think it's not so much as a question as it is encouragement to moms who are adamant that they want to breastfeed. If that's what you want, it's hard, but stay at it mm-hmm. if, if that's what you choose to do. But I totally understand if someone, if that's not their path, it's a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. It's time consuming. And we talked about this just yesterday where, or two days ago, Kayla and I were talking about how it's kind of a loss of freedom in a lot of ways, because you realize you can't just go on a trip or go hang out with your girlfriends all day. You really, especially in those early days. But what I'll tell you is that it, it really only gets easier. You're in a phase now where not only is she tiny and you're breastfeeding on demand, but you know, you're in that early, early phase where you are exclusively breastfeeding. You are her sole source of food. And As she gets bigger, the feedings will spread out. Um, You will be able to pump more milk if you want to leave a bottle. And then once... Start bottling. um, I think that we started around eight weeks where I would leave a bottle for maybe a few hours to go and get some work done. And I think I would start pumping after three or four weeks so that by the time we got to that two-month mark, we had that option. Um, But then it's really around six months when they start having a little bit more solids when you start having a little more space between the feedings and then worst case scenario, the baby can have a little bit of food. And then by the time, you know, by the time they're what, like nine, 10, 11 months, really the feedings start tapering off a little. So even if you want to do extended breastfeeding, you're not necessarily tied to the baby in the same way. I will say, Corey, I like what you said about like, you know, the freedom for me, I always thought of breastfeeding what it was the freedom component, like after you get into a groove, because when you're out and about, right, in a non-COVID time, bless you, and you're you're shopping or you're doing something with a girlfriend and her baby and you run out of formula, you're like, Shh, I got to go home, right? It's like you, you're, you're tied to that. When you're just breastfeeding, you're like, okay, hold on, I got to feed and we can stay out another four hours or whatever. It's just a, there's so much freedom. That con- there's a convenience factor. There is for sure. Now you can't go with your girlfriends as easily, but the other stuff is definitely for me was such a, a bonus. Like I never had to think ahead when we were leaving. That's a really good point. All that stuff. That's a really good point. It's almost like takes away your freedom and also gives you freedom depending on how, depending on your perspective. That's exactly. And it is easy in the middle of the night. I mean, I can't even imagine having to get up and warm up, warm a bottle. You just stick a baby on a boob. It's so much easier. I literally just started not having to get in the rocking chair and get her up and get her attached. Now that she's latching so much better, I roll over, I stick my boob out, 
she latches and I fall asleep and then she just kind of has a free-for-all feeding like throughout the night she just kind of well that's the thing it took me a while with rad to learn is the laying down nursing but it's Awesome. So yeah. It's my oh, yeah. I did, um, That's how I've nursed all my kids. We've done, I would say, four or five bottles and that I've had Jonathan do. And one of the times I let him do a night feeding and I was like, all right, if you feed her now, I won't have to jump in for another four hours. So I'm going to have some wine. And <laughs> yep, that's awesome. Yeah. And those are those, those are those little moments that you have to find and like, those little moments for yourself. And I think it's important to keep doing that. Or even if it's just you going, hey, somebody come hold my baby, which obviously is trickier now because you have to make sure that <laughs> they have been doing all the safe things in regards to COVID. But um, I may be you know, biased, but she's a pretty good baby. I mean, she sat here this whole podcast. Yeah, our listeners can't see this, but Kayla's had the baby with her this entire time. She's been she's been awake the whole time. She's been awake. She's been on and off nursing. Has not made a peep. She is such a good baby, <laughs> and she even pooped her pants. Uh, she's basically perfect. <laughs> well, Kayla, we are so happy to have you back. I know it's a lot to jump into you know, doing podcasts again with having a new baby. And you can always go like, hey, pause on this week. I just don't have it in me. You can always say that to us. Jen and I want you to take as much time as you need, obviously. Um, But assuming you're willing to jump into a conversation, I think you will probably be a great resource for a lot of pregnant women and brand new moms. When I had my second baby, I had forgotten everything <laughs> so it's almost like you have to relearn so you're going to be a great resource i think right now and even when you even when you have a second one if you have a second that's a different gender it's almost like you're a new mom all over again because it's so different like just mentally everything from diapering like all you just feel different thank you guys for listening to hi my name is mom kayla's got sweet baby loxley waving bye-bye to all of our listeners so you guys make sure to send some love kayla's way and go stalk her precious baby she's at kayla kenny on instagram and we are at hi my name is mom official let us know if you have any questions for our brand new mommy kayla <laughs> bye guys your name is mom